Good morning, I'm Pastor Dan. Today we're continuing our message series entitled Courageous Leadership. In this series, we're learning lessons about leadership that apply to each one of us from the book of Joshua in the Old Testament. Today's message is entitled Lead Through Conflict. So what is conflict? Well, conflict could be described as a fight, a battle, or a struggle. There are different levels of conflict. Conflict may arise from disagreement with another person, which could lead to an argument. Conflict can grow into some type of even physical fight between people or groups of people. Conflict can become even wars between entire nations. Well, I don't like conflict. Most people don't. And there's going to be no conflict in heaven. So we have that peace to look forward to. Yet on this earth, we are going to have varying levels of conflict throughout our lives. Why is there conflict? Well, the simple answer is that conflict is a result of sin. The first conflict arose in the Garden of Eden. After the serpent tempted Adam and Eve to sin, and they did, God spoke to the serpent in Genesis 3.15. He said, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And so enmity or hostility is what has led to the conflict between Satan and his followers and God and his followers. That conflict involves both human beings and spiritual beings such as angels and demons. There is conflict between believers and unbelievers and even between believers. Why? Because of sin. God wants us to learn to be peacemakers for peace is the absence of conflict. There should be peace and unity between believers. But there cannot be true peace between believers and unbelievers until the unbeliever becomes a believer. And so whether we like it or not, conflict is part of life. And God has not called us to hide from conflict, but to be warriors in his army. As part of God's army, we go into conflict to win. Ephesians 6.12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now the word in this verse translated wrestle could also be translated struggle, fight, or battle, which are all forms of conflict. The point here is that all conflict that we experience in life is at its essence a spiritual struggle, even though it often seems to be with another person. Behind the scenes, there are evil spiritual forces seeking to cause and increase conflict between people. Now, we cannot be at peace with all people at all times, as the life of Jesus himself demonstrates. And yet, as we grow as believers, we can grow as peacemakers. As we grow as believing leaders, God will help us to lead unbelievers to Jesus so that enemies of the cross become children of God, part of God's family. Now, today we're going to learn how to lead and achieve victory in the conflicts that God allows into our lives. The first principle we're going to learn is to recognize God's presence. Joshua 5.13 says, When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked. 
And behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? Now, Joshua and the nation of Israel had crossed over the Jordan into the promised land via a miraculous parting of the Jordan River. In front of them was the fortified city of Jericho with high city walls. It would have to be conquered if Israel was going to continue their journey into the promised land. And suddenly, Joshua sees a man standing right in front of him with a sword in his hand. Joshua did not recognize him and asked whose side this unknown warrior was on. The warrior answers in Joshua 5 verse 14. It says, And he said, No, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? And so the answer to Joshua's question as to whose side the warrior was on was not no or, or neither as most translations put it. This mysterious figure was not there to support Joshua. He was there to command the operation with Joshua following his orders. The question was not whether the commander was with Joshua, but whether Joshua was with the commander. And Joshua recognized who this was. He fell to the ground and worshipped this being and he asked for instructions. Although some think the being was an angel, it's clear that this was God himself appearing to Joshua. This commander accepted worship, which angels never accept in Scripture. God had come into, had come into Joshua's situation with his presence to help Joshua prepare for the coming conflict. Verse 15 and the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. And so the commander told Joshua to take off his sandals because he was in a holy place. And this was another confirmation that the commander was God himself. It reminds us of God appearing to Moses in the burning bush and asking him to take off his sandals as well. Now, a title for God in the Old Testament is, is Lord of Hosts, referring to the Lord's angelic army. And so even though this commander was visible, he had brought with himself myriads of angelic warriors for the upcoming battle. And so God was present as Joshua faced the biggest conflict of his life. Now, none of us today are facing a fortified natural city to conquer, and yet in every conflict that we face, there is a fortified enemy. All of us face many types of conflicts in life. We face conflicts in personal relationships, conflicts at work, conflicts with Satan's temptations, conflicts with sickness, conflicts with difficult circumstances of all kinds, and so on. Whatever conflict that you are facing today or will face tomorrow, you must remember that God's presence is with you. He is the same Lord of hosts today. The fact that God is with you also means that his angel armies are there as well. As with Joshua, God is not with you to follow your wishes and desires. He's with you to direct you in the conflicts he has allowed into your life. Now, sometimes God will direct you to be a peacemaker in your conflict and so win the victory. At other times, there is an enemy to be defeated 
through the power of God. Whatever conflict you're facing today, realize that you are not alone. God is with you and he has a plan to win the victory. And so to win that victory that God has for you, you must follow God's plan. Joshua 6 verse 1, it says, Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. And so the armies of Jericho had learned that Israel was coming. They had locked down the city. Everyone was inside. Supplies had been gathered. They were prepared to defend their walled city. Joshua seemed like, or Jericho seemed like an impregnable fortress for a nation of foot soldiers as the Israelites were to capture. And yet the Lord, the Lord of hosts, had told Joshua that he had given the city into Israel's hand. You see, the, the city would not be conquered by human effort alone, but by the power of God. And the victory would be complete as the king and his mighty army of Jericho would be defeated as well. God next gave Joshua his instructions in Joshua 6, verse 3. He says, You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horn before the ark. On the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And so the army of Israel was to march around the city of Jericho for six days. The army would be accompanied by priests carrying the ark. It was the ark of God's presence and priests carrying trumpets. During the first six days of the march, the priests were to blow the trumpets, but the army was to remain completely silent. On the seventh day, they were to march around the city seven times. Seven in scripture always represents the number of completion, the number of God and his presence. Verse 5 says, And when they make a long blast from the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. And so on the final day, after marching around Jericho seven times, the priests would make a long blast on their trumpets, and the people would give a great shout. And the result would be that the great stone wall of Jericho would fall down flat. It would fall in such a way that the army could proceed directly into the city to conquer it. The wall would not fall because of the sound vibrations of the shouts and the trumpets. The wall would fall because of the people's obedience in faith, which would release the armies of God who would demolish the wall. Joshua was to follow God's battle plan. Now the plan that God had for Joshua made no natural sense. Shouting and trumpets do not demolish massive stone walls. And yet this was the plan that God had given to Joshua. It was a plan that would give God the glory for only a supernatural force would enable Israel to capture Jericho. Now whatever conflict or difficult situation you are facing, God has a plan for you to follow. Now, sometimes God's plan seems to make natural sense, but often God's plans do not. God has a plan that is tailor-made for your situation, and he wants to reveal it to you. He will tell you what to do. Put your trust in him 
and follow his plan. And as you do, God's power and his angel armies are sent into your situation. As always, we must obey in faith. Doubt and fear are temptations of the enemy. They must be resisted. And as you follow God's battle plan, you will find that faith brings victory. Let's go to Joshua 6, verse 20. It says, So the people shouted and the trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout, and the wall fell down flat, so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. I'd like us to watch a short video about the archaeological evidence about the walls of Jericho. This is the ancient site of Jericho. The Bible says that Jericho is the city whose walls came tumbling down. Archaeologist Dr. Bryant Wood has spent over 20 years studying the material excavated from Jericho. This is where the mud brick wall was located, right here on top of this stone retaining wall. This is the stone retaining wall which held in place the earthen embankment that surrounded the city. And on top of the stone retaining wall was the mud brick wall. And on the seventh trip around, we're told in the Bible, the mud brick wall collapsed and it fell outward and down to the base of the stone retaining wall. And when the archaeologists dug in this area, they found this pile of mud bricks all the way along the retaining wall. One of the archaeologists that found these collapsed bricks is Peter Parr, who excavated Jericho in the 1950s. Yes, there were remains of the mud brick that had fallen down. I mean, that wall came tumbling down. This find of a collapsed city wall found here at Jericho is unique in archaeology. At no other site have we found evidence for a city wall that has fallen down. Since the details in the text match so well with the archaeological evidence found here, then the best conclusion that we can draw is that at the time of Joshua's conquest, the walls of Jericho really did come tumbling down. Isn't that amazing? The Word of God and the accounts therein of Jericho and all the rest are absolutely true. Joshua and the people of Israel followed the Lord's plan exactly. Now, not only did they follow the instructions of the plan in their hearts, they believed that when they shouted, the wall would fall. And it did. Now, what impact do you think the demolishing of the wall had on the defenders inside? Well, they were overcome with fear. Not only did the wall fall flat, but the army of Israel was able to go directly into the city and defeat the army of Jericho. Verse 21 tells us that they devoted all in the city to destruction, both men and women, young and old, oxen, sheep, and donkeys with the edge of the sword. 
You see, the Lord had ordered that the entire city would be devoted to the Lord for destruction, every living being. Every person in the city who had not believed in the Lord God of Israel would be put to the sword. Israel was the Lord's instrument of judgment on a wicked people who had refused to repent and put their faith in God. For you see, although all in Jericho had heard of the stories of the Lord God, the creator of heaven and earth, only one family in Jericho had chosen to believe. Joshua 6.25 says, But Rahab the prostitute and her father's household and all who belonged to her, Joshua saved alive. And she has lived in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Now you remember in our previous message that Rahab the prostitute had hidden the Israelite spies. She was to tie a scarlet ribbon in the window of her house, which was built into Jericho's wall. And so when the walls came tumbling down, her house did not. According to the instructions of the spies, Rahab had gathered her entire family and relatives into her house. They had all shared in her faith. And as the warriors went into the city of Jericho, the two spies went to Rahab's house and rescued her and all her family. Rahab lived and worshipped with the people of Israel her whole life. In fact, when we read the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1, we see that Rahab is listed as an ancestor of King David, whose line led to Jesus the Messiah. Rahab is also listed as a hero of the faith in the famous chapter of Hebrews chapter 11. Faith brings the victory. Now, God is the one who brings victory. Sometimes victory comes quickly and sometimes slowly over a long period of time. Some conflicts or battles are small and some are large. God allows conflicts to come into our lives so that we can learn to be overcomers. Now, in the book of Revelation, there are seven promises made to seven churches. Each promise is made to those who do what? Who overcome. Overcomers are those who face conflict in their lives and they overcome or win the victory. You know what conflict you are facing in your life. And I'm sure that everyone listening is facing at least one kind of conflict. Many of us are facing conflicts on multiple fronts at once. Now, just because you're in a conflict does not mean you have done anything wrong. Jesus was in conflicts his entire ministry through no wrongdoing or sin on his part, obviously. And yet we don't want to be the cause of conflicts because of our sin. Now, you may be in a conflict with the forces of darkness as you battle for the salvation of a loved one. And God wants to strengthen you in that conflict until that person is saved. You may be in a conflict with a physical sickness, and God wants you to find the victory in healing. You may be in a relationship conflict, and God desires for you to find the victory as a peacemaker. Faith in God brings victory in every conflict. And so whatever walled city you're facing this morning, whatever conflict you're engaged in, God wants you to know that He is there with you. He comes to to help you as the commander of the angelic hosts. God has a battle plan for your situation and he wants to give you your marching orders. Seek him until you're sure of his battle plan and then follow his plan. And as you follow God's plan, don't just go through the motions. Believe that as you follow his plan, faith will bring the victory. 
The walls of your obstacle will collapse and you'll march right through it. God calls every one of us to be overcomers, to be victorious in the conflicts of life. May each one find victory in Jesus each and every day. Now, the first step to becoming an overcomer is to become a child of God. And this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to, to repent of your sin and become a believer. If you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ, I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray with me and to be born again. Perhaps you've made a commitment in the past, but you've drifted away from God and you want to recommit your life to Him. I'm going to look at three simple steps. First of all, admit that you've sinned and turn away from that sin. Repent. Secondly, believe that Jesus died to forgive you and he rose from the dead. Finally, invite Jesus into your life and commit yourself to following him as your Lord and Savior. So I'm going to pray right now and I encourage you to pray with me. Say something like this. Father, today, I admit that I've sinned. I repent. I turn away from that sin. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, paid the penalty for my sin. Please forgive me. Come into my life. I believe you rose from the dead. You're alive today. And I commit myself to following you as my Lord and Savior. And for those of us who are believers, let's pray as well. Father, we thank you for teaching us this story of Joshua in your word. Forgive us for the times we faced a struggle or conflict in our lives and doubted your presence. And today we make a choice to believe that you are always with us, no matter what we're going through. We ask that you would show us what we are to do in our particular conflict situation. We believe that you have the best plan that we could possibly follow. We trust that as we follow your plan, you will give us the victory. We want to be overcomers for you in every situation. Use us to help others become overcomers as well. It's in Jesus' powerful name that we pray. Amen. If you made a commitment to Jesus Christ or would like more information, I'd like to encourage you to connect with us via the link below in this video. We'll pray for you and offer you some helpful materials. You can find more information on our website, lifechurchstlouis.org. Our Sunday morning services are now open. 10 a.m. at 15036 Clayton Road, Chesterfield. You're invited to attend if you live in the St. Louis area. Online donations to help us reach more people for Jesus are available at lcstl.org give. And next Sunday, we're continuing our message series, Courageous Leadership with the message, Leadership Challenges. I invite you to join us then. God bless and have a great week.